0: Fueled by Trial, the podcast where real people share their inspiring stories of choosing faith over fear on their Christian life journey. I'm your host, Zion Heaven, alongside Emily Dykma, Julie Mangum, and Christian Vorst. We're going to embark together on a transformative exploration of faith, courage, and the power of God's love.
1: Each episode, we invite guests from all walks of life, united by one common thread, their unwavering trust in God throughout life's most challenging trials. We believe that through their testimonies, you'll find strength, hope, and a renewed sense of purpose. Join us as we dive deep into personal accounts of overcoming adversity, battling doubts, and discovering the extraordinary miracles that can emerge from even the darkest valleys. Fueled by Trial is not just a podcast. It's a testament to the work of the Holy Spirit in lives of believers.
0: Our guests will inspire you to live fearlessly, rooted in the unshakable foundation of God's grace. So grab your headphones and get ready to embark on a transformative journey Filled with wisdom, inspiration, and a renewed passion for living a faithful life. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 10. Um, amazing we even made it here, to be honest. But we are missing both of our female hosts today. So we are um, welcoming a guest host today. We have Kyle Garnett. You heard him speak a couple episodes ago. <laughs> um still got Christian here with us. He rushed back from a tennis tournament. He was eating a chocolate muffin about two minutes ago. Thanks. But yeah, that, was that was fire. Yeah, I bet. Looked like it. Uh, we have a welcome. Welcome. Our guest today, Luke Eberle, Uh also on the men's soccer team. Uh, he was uh, Kyle's roommate. No, not his roommate. Teammate. Teammate. There we go. Um, <laughs> but really just happy to have you. Excited to hear you share your story. Um, I know God's been working through you, but go ahead and kind of run with it.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. Uh, I've been a fan of what you guys have been doing here, and I remember when you first had the idea, and I appreciate and uh, what you're doing. God's definitely working through it. Well, like you guys said, uh, I'm on the men's soccer team, but much of our lives we lived prior to coming to college, so I'm happy to kind of explain how I got here. Uh, the Lord has definitely used sports and use different avenues or circles or people in my life to impact me and hopefully I in turn could have impacted them. But I'll start with honestly just more in a perspective of gratitude that I had people in my life from a young age who were pouring into me who were strong uh biblical men. And I think that was really what impacted me. Most of those people were coaches or they might've been teachers in school. And I think that's really been a testimony that God uses people in in whatever circles you're in. Uh, Sometimes they might be influential, or sometimes they might just be someone that you're in close contact with, like your English teacher uh, in my case. Mm -hmm. So I can start back there. Uh, My dad always said that he needed people in in my life to help raise his children and i think i've always really respected the attitude so he's he's allowed people to come in my life and trusted different adults to mentor me and it starts back to to coaches back when when i was a kid and i was a multi-sport athlete that's no like thing i'm boasting about my dad <laughs> was just kind of like sign up for as much as you can and play as much as you can and kind of took that and ran with it so I played uh, basketball lacrosse and soccer for as long as I could soccer ended up being the sport that I stuck with I think the only reason I did stick with it was just because I liked the people I was playing with and I think you guys can relate at some point you have to take your sport to a next level and you have to get to circles where you get exposure you get to meet people that can help you get to the next step and I really made that decision in junior year of high school. And I think I put that off much later than my peers or different people that even I, I play soccer with now. But uh, I made the decision junior year of high school. And I think that was that was a really, at the time, a super, super hard decision because I was leaving much of what I knew. I was leaving a lot of the mentors I had talked about earlier to go into environments that were definitely new and it took a change where soccer became kind of like the the prime focus of your life and I think as Christians we know that that's a balance we need to strike of your sport becoming your everything and mm-hmm. I think that's a battle that when you get into sports at a serious level at a young age that is really where you have to start recognizing that wow this is a this can really take over my emotional being, my my spiritual thoughts, uh, my relationships. And I by no means did that well uh, when I was in high school. I'm hopefully doing it better now, but it's a fight every single day. And I think much of us here can relate to that. Mm. But the way that God definitely worked in high school was, was providing the pathway to liberty. And I love sharing this story because it is 100% the area where I've seen God's working hand above all else. Uh, I, like I said, kind of switched to a team that was able to give you more exposure. And that was a great decision. But through the recruiting process, it was hard to really see what was the right decision or what schools to choose. Because when you're in the recruiting process, everyone tells you what you want to hear. Every coach, it doesn't matter whether you're at a secular school, the coach is a Christian. The coach is one of the most angriest people in the world. But when you're in those ha- having those phone calls originally with coaches, you're going to be the best thing that ever happened in the program. Mm. Most likely you won't be, but they'll tell you and they'll make you feel that way. So it was hard to decipher what was truth. What were people telling me that actually I could believe? And I think that's a hard place to be when you're younger. I didn't really have a lot of help. Um, my parents were not in that world, so it was up to me to figure it out. I had one mentor who I'm super grateful for. His name is Dave Brandt. Uh, He coached at Navy and he went, and went on to play coach professionally. And then he is back coaching at Bucknell University. And he's one of the few people in college soccer that's a strong Christian that I trust. And uh, he was a strong mentor to me and I knew him well. And he, basically helped me a ton through the recruiting process. And he gave me tons of advice. And I basically said, look, coach, I'm tired of talking with these coaches and feeling like I'm not really getting anywhere or visiting a school and thinking, this is definitely not the place for me. And I came to the conclusion that the thing that I wanted to look for the most in the recruiting process was a strong Christian man as the coach. So that didn't mean I wanted to go to a Christian university. That didn't mean that that was like what I needed. I basically felt if there was a strong Christian coach leading a program, then I could respect him. And my criteria was always that I want to be able to invite my coach to my wedding. That was like my, my one thing that I always believed through the recruiting process. That's happening soon too. That's what I wanted to do. And I, that was what I stuck to. And that's what I told coach Brandt. I said, this is what I really want to look for. I'm tired of the recruiting process. Is there any way you can help me out? He ended up giving me four different teams, four different programs that he really respected. And one of those coaches was Coach Finley, who is my current coach, Uh, but he was at Davidson. And I had reached out to him, a little background. I was trying to reach out to Liberty because I thought, if I'm looking for a Christian coach, a Division I uh, school like Liberty is probably a good place to start. (laughs) But I was getting nowhere with that. Uh, I don't know what was happening. I just couldn't get in contact. I couldn't uh, get any leeway or steps forward into getting you know my foot in the door. So I really for a year had written off Liberty and I was I was fine with that. Like I was like it just it's not meant to be. Um, but I, I prayed. I was like, Lord, just guide me like wh- where you want me to go. And this is where it really gets crazy because uh, I'm in contact with Coach Kelly for about two weeks. And he's at Davidson. and I'm like, I don't know if I can really get into Davidson. That's a great school academically, but um, we'll see where it goes. And he ends up calling me two weeks later and he says, I have the job at Liberty. And in that moment right there, I knew this is a school I was looking at before. I have uh, recommendations from people that I trust. And he basically, I was like, I know this is where I want to go. So I kind of did my due diligence with other schools and I looked around and I I visited different campuses, but I knew the whole time that Liberty was where I was being called to. And uh, I think that's the piece of, of being a Christian, being able to make a decision like that, because you don't really have the ability to wrestle in, this is not where God has called me to be. If, If at a point you say, this is where God has called me to be. And then you get there and you say, yeah, this is, this is not it. I think you're basing that decision more on, on the feelings that you personally have or your pride or, or. You know, I think you can fill in the blank with whatever. And I think that's what's so awesome to now be at Liberty and see the people that I've been able to be around for so many years and have everyone's story come together to one team. And you have 28-ish guys that have completely different stories that come from different parts of the world that are in different faith journeys and different places um, spiritually and and, and soccer. And I think that's just been the beauty of being at Liberty and being an athlete here, you think, oh, everyone will be a Christian. But I've been able to see guys that come into our program that have zero faith or zero idea of even becoming a Christian and they end up getting baptized. And I know Kyle can, you know, kind of testify to this specifically that he was able to baptize so many of our team. Um, but that's just, I mean, you won't get that at other programs and I think that's why liberty is such a special place but just the recruiting process was such a testament to god's faithfulness and such a a moment and peace that i can have where i know that this is where i'm supposed to be and i and i can look back after four years and say i've met amazing people i've met people who've pushed me in my faith i've met people who i've in turn been able to mentor or help themselves. And I've been able to have people that have poured into me. So I look back on these, on these, you know, my time in high school and and the recruiting process and then getting here to Liberty. And I just am amazed at God's Testament and faithfulness. And I really do believe it goes back to people that God put in my life years and years ago to help me get to where I am. Um, I can share more about Samaritan's feet. Yeah.
0: Well, I was just, I mean, Oh, that is unreal. And then you forgot to mention that you also met your fiance. Didn't you? <laughs> not even engaged. Yet. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I shout that. out
1: to Olivia best. We did. We did, <laughs> we did
0: say before we started filming this episode that Christian was going to say something about this. <laughs> it it. He, he, he could what do you not mean? hold it in. Actually, before you do talk about Samaritan's purse, one question. So I think some people, when they feel called to a certain area, like you said, when they get there, they may be like, was it the right decision? And based mm-hmm. off of feelings and all that, did you ever have that feeling when you got to Liberty or even like you're during your entire time here? Like, was this actually the right decision? Um,
1: I think it's hard not to feel that way sometimes. I think it's, it's, it's very hard to be at a place and not think that the grass is greener at other places. Yeah especially at the division one level and at the level, uh, and the culture of just like our generation, the society right now, there's so much transition and there's so much movement from people. And I've so many of my friends that it didn't work out with their first college and they're on like college three right now. And I was pretty, like committed to staying my four years, but I had a fifth year because of 2020 getting being canceled mm-hmm. because of COVID yeah. and that was a really unique opportunity for a fifth year that I think opens the door to a ton of different options, different schools, different academic programs. And that was really what I've been battling for uh, the last year. And that's been a very, very difficult process for me. Uh, I think way harder than I ever thought it would be. And it's been hard, I think. It's hard to know whether the place you've committed to and worked so hard for and the people that you do love here after 4 years is hard to know. All right. Lord, am I supposed to move on or am I supposed to stay? What is what am I supposed to be doing? And I don't even really know if I have a great answer. I think at some point you pray and you ask God for like clarity but you know, you you basically end up making a decision. I think the the clarity that I sought for came in a different way than I probably had imagined it would happen Mm -hmm. and I think that has been hard because I think it doesn't give you maybe the reassurance that man this is really 100% what I want and it's not what I had at the very beginning to when I was in high school I knew 100% this is what I want Mm -hmm. but for the fifth year it's 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 difficult and it's hard Mm -hmm. to know what am I supposed to do and ultimately Kyle knows but I've i'm staying at liberty which i'm super super grateful for and i'm super happy about and it's i love people i'm here with and i by no means uh think that that was a wrong decision but it's so easy to see other people and compare yourself to other people Mm -hmm. and say maybe the grass is greener over there maybe that coach can give me more maybe there's something uh, better with that program it's really hard um
0: And I think um, I can kind of relate, and I'm sure everyone can. When you make decisions, you know, God doesn't out of a cloud in a voice say, this is the decision. But if you do pray and um, seek him in that, you can oftentimes look back and see how he was in that decision. Mm-hmm. You can't always see that in the kind of looking into the future. But if you look back in your life, you can see how he's, he's been guiding you every step of the way. And um, even when you make those decisions that you're not sure about, you can trust that he's in that and then eventually you'll see it for sure but you know your story doesn't stop there obviously a lot of people who do know you know the extent to which you've gone to um do certain uh charity work with like samaritan's purse but if you'd like to kind of touch upon that
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so nil came out i don't know three years ago maybe four years ago and it definitely changed the world of college sports because college athletes could get paid and that opened the door for companies to work with different athletes. We knew as soccer players that this would never, maybe a tennis players as well, but this would <laughs> never affect men's soccer. Oh, People do not care oh, about man. what goes on with men's soccer. so corrupt. So it only really affected football and basketball, but it definitely opened the door for different companies or in this case, nonprofits to say, all right, well, how can I actually get my foot in the door with different athletes? In my case, I uh, was living in Charlotte and I was playing for a team that was a, a Christian organization. And on a Saturday, we did some service work with a nonprofit called Samaritan's Feet. They're headquarters in Charlotte, but they're like an international organization. And we basically spent the whole day, we were just packing shoes in their warehouse. At the end of our time, we went through, uh, this kind of, you can walk through and it basically shows the impact of a shoe and the impact of what the organization does. And you kind of like walk through how shoes impact the world and what people can't do if they don't have shoes. And then ultimately how they use shoes is to share the gospel. So there's this whole, like, scene where you can walk. The video is playing. And at the end of it, they basically have a room where they finish their presentation, if you want to call it that. And they share the different people they've worked with. And they've done different stuff with like, I think John Calperi and Kentucky basketball team like does a barefoot game every year where like none of the coaches wear shoes at the game. So they've been able to do like cool things like that. But the at one end, they had a uh, a picture of a Alabama football player who they had partnered with to basically raise money and then give shoes out in the, in Alabama. And his name is Emil Ekior. He's he's amazing. He's a great guy. But he this kind of gave me the idea, and I and I actually walked out of the warehouse and I was like, that was so amazing. And I was walking with the coach at the time, and I was like, man, I really feel like there's something that I could do or some way I I could be a part of the organization. And I walk back in and I end up running into Manny O'Homney, who's the like the founder of of mm-hmm. Feet, and we just start talking. I was like, well, is there if there's is there anything that I can do like as an athlete? I don't have the name that an Alabama football player has, or I don't have the exposure that they do, but is there something that I can do as a as an athlete to basically do something with the organization? And he's like, yeah, you know, we'll see. Uh, There's definitely avenues, but like send an email to this, this person and see what happens. So I did. And then over the next probably three months, they ended up, we agreed that I could partner with them and they were super kind in letting me be part of the organization. And basically all it means is that I would try and use my athlete, my platform as an athlete to raise money and then I, whatever money that I would raise, I could use, I could choose where the money goes. And hundred percent of money that's donated goes to wherever. So we did a shoe distribution uh, through Charlotte FC and the MLS team in the winter of last year. And that was amazing. We served like 600 kids. We ran like a soccer clinic and we were able to work with them. And then we did a shoe distribution in Lynchburg uh, last spring. Yeah, at RSP in elementary school. So that has been a complete testament of another way that God has just opened the door that I never, ever would have imagined. And I've been able to meet people and um, see how just God has provided in ways that I was never, ever thought would happen. I guess
0: through that experience, right, it's something you, you didn't even think you were going to be able to do at one mm-hmm. point, right, when you first walked through that factory. But what do you think the biggest thing? God taught you through that entire thing was whether that even be at the very beginning or through that process mm-hmm. of trying to get it done.
1: There's a a book that I read by, or it was an autobiog- autobiography from a guy named George Mueller, and he ran an orphanage in Germany. Kyle, you probably know better than I do, and he he basically you just purely relied on god's providence to build what started out as a a very small orphanage for a few people ended up being like three full orphanage with hundreds of kids Mm -hmm. and he basically the the story is about time after time where he's like lord i don't have any food for 700 children i need you to provide and he would just pray and hopefully he would, he would pray that God would provide, and time and time again, God would supply the needs that the orphanage had. And his life was a complete testament of relying on God's providence. So to tie that into Samaritan's feet, that's what I've seen. And I think it's so easy to be in America and rely on what I can do to provide, or rely on what I can give, or the connections I have to do this or that, instead of relying on what God can provide, and the door, doors that he can open. So that's where I've... I basically seen and seen God work and people that I never, ever, ever would have imagined would help out, ended up helping out with Samaritan's feet. And I kind of sold Samaritan's feet on that Liberty would help. And (laughs) that has not been the case, but the Lord has opened doors that I never, ever thought would happen.
2: Yeah. uh, Luke's meant so much to all of us on the team and I can speak personally to how much he's meant to me, but you know, that's a conversation for another time. I like but it right now. It's so long. <laughs> but we always say, like, Luke is Mr. Available. He always has time for you. He all he never has something better going on. He always makes time for every guy on the team. And we've all seen that for four years. And but we have been so blessed to liberty with so many opportunities and so many things we've gotten to do. We've gotten to go to Haiti, Colombia done shoe distributions with Luke and Charlotte and at schools here, like you said, but that's not the case for every Christian athlete. There's a lot of Christian athletes that aren't at schools like Liberty. So my question is, what would you say to a Christian athlete who is in an environment that's a lot different than the one we have? How can they impact their teams for the gospel without necessarily the overarching umbrella that's accepting of the gospel like we have here?
1: I think the beautiful part about sports is Very rarely, I don't think there's really another time that you would be around people the same age as you for hours a day and you can really gain the respect of your peers. I don't really think there's a environment when you're older or in a school setting or whatever. I don't think there's an environment where you're as close with a group of 25 guys. So the beauty in that is I believe speaking for someone who's at a Christian school, so it's, I'm kind of just projecting probably something, but I think if you stand on the, the morals and you stand on the convictions that you have in, a vir- in an environment that might not necessarily at first be uh, kind to someone who is a Christian, I think people will respect you far more by the morals that you stand on than going with the pack. And I remember the the documentary on Florida and Tim Tebow and how he would go out with parties and they would say, no, like he doesn't drink. And I love hearing stories like that or he doesn't, you know, do this with girls. I love that because I think that's such a light for someone who maybe isn't explicitly sharing the gospel with his teammates, but he's living a life that's contrary to what society tells us to live. And I would just say that, I think people would ultimately. It might be difficult at first, but would respect you more for the convictions that you stand on than just trying to go with the
2: crowd. It's good stuff.
0: I think one of the like big themes I've seen. You kind of touched upon it both times, but with you know agreeing to do your fifth year here at Liberty, and then also kind of your journey with Samaritan's Feet is really at times. We I think Christians become stagnant. Right? Just kind of waiting for God to move. Um, and I think sometimes we do need to step out in faith and trust He's going to move because He has called us to really just be a servant for Him. Um, and I think it's seen in both ways, right? Um, you kind of touched upon it. I think a lot of us have those times in our life where, you know, sometimes you just have to move and then God truly works through this, the experience, those experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess two things for you to close out. First, um, kind of, is there anything else you're going to do, be doing with Samaritan's Feet, and kind of if somebody does want to help out with that, right? Mm-hmm. How can they do so, and then I can tell you the second one after. But upset about the
1: ring. Or no? okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not. Happy. You know, the cool thing about Samaritan's Feet is the people that have really helped out are the people I never ever would have expected to help, and. I thought that my family or I thought Liberty or people that I knew like super well were going to be the people that would really be the catalyst for for change. But it's been people that I never, ever would have thought. And a great example of this is there was a LinkedIn post uh, that was kind of random that was just thanking uh, Samaritan's feet and they had like a big celebration for uh, giving out like 10 million shoes now is a big goal for them. And a lady reached out who I had never met, who was part of the real estate team at Liberty, who basically said, I have a small business that would like to like support or give, give money. And they ended up donating $5,000 and supplying a whole shoe distribution for, for Lynchburg. And that's like a great example of like, who would have thought that that is what would have happened. I would have thought it would have been, you know, a teacher or someone that was like really close to me or, or whatnot. Um, so I don't really know what's next for Samaritan's feet, but I know that the Lord will make it clear. And I believe that just through that whole, that whole process, he's been so faithful and there might not be anything besides just a wonderful experience and lives impacted, but if there is something, I'm, I'm all for it. There you go. (laughs)
0: Um, and then kind of last thing to close out, um, You know, we ask most of our guests, like, what is your power statement you want to leave with somebody Um, through your experience and what you've kind of been through thus far? Like kind of a sentence or a little bit.
1: But I would say never underestimate what small interactions can mean to someone. And even being on a team where you see people every day. Many times you can tell when someone has changed or their mood or something's going on in their life, but a lot of times you can't. And that's something that we've learned with, uh, just my, my, our roommate that has, has really struggled with something this year. And we didn't take the time to really dive in to see what was wrong. And I think, as Christians, it's our job to never forget those little interactions that could have a big impact. And those little interactions can build the trust to open the doors for bigger conversations. So that's what I would say. I would say never underestimate the the little interactions that you have with people.
0: Love it. Thanks for being willing to Fire. come on and share. Christian, do you have anything else you want to say? I kind of want to say something again about all that, but I want to that was great about Olivia <laughs> I, want to say, I wanted to bring oh it up gosh. for the fourth time but see I, I knew he was going to but uh <laughs> was, thank you again uh see thanks, you guys next Luke. week
2: that was great Luke thank Good you job Luke thanks,
0: thank you for tuning in to fueled by trial where faith triumphs over fear one story at a time remember to follow us on your favorite podcast platform to never miss an episode of this life-changing journey and as always Keep the faith burning bright, for together we are fueled by trial.